to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. How are y'all doing today? Y'all doing good? If you're excited for Sunday, make some noise. Sorry, y'all. We got to get our tables out. We got to make it fun today. Hey, so um, for those of you that are new to this space, this place, I just want to welcome you to City View Church. As we say, the perfect place for imperfect people. I don't know where you are on your faith journey, what you believe, hate God, hate church, someone got you into this place. I just want to tell you, regardless of where you stand, uh, you don't have to believe what we believe in order to belong here. Amen? It, it, it really is, and this is a safe place to process who God is, and specifically who Jesus is. So, um, man, have you ever been in a situation where you ask yourself, what was I thinking? Have you ever been there? Where you, you, you're in a situation in life and you start to wonder, what was I thinking? Well, I had a, uh, back in high school, I went to this restaurant called Papa Do's. Someone shout out Papa Do's. It goes super hard, right? So I'm at Papa Do's and I had this thing called the sampler platter, right? Not healthy for you, I wouldn't do it now, but back then, when you're churning and burning calories like nobody's business, it was amazing. It's got chicken tenders, fries, fried crab, fried shrimp, everything, right? And it was a revelation to me. I mean, it changed me. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. And so I remember um, telling all my friends at school, I was like, guys, yo, we have to go to Papado's together. Sure enough, everyone rolls, comes with me, um, and we're just eating it on a Saturday, kind of mid-morning, 11, 15-ish. We're all enjoying uh, just our time together, the meal, it's so good. And then uh, they're like, hey guys, hey, hey Jared, we gotta, we gotta bounce, we gotta go now, because we gotta go to basketball practice. I was like, that's cool, like, dude, it's no big deal, like, it's Saturday practice, we're good, right? And so uh, Monday, I roll in. <laughs> Oh, Monday I roll in, I'm like, guys, that was practice, and everyone goes, don't talk to me, like, I just don't even talk to me. Now, for the record, Jake, who's sitting over here, Jake was one of our friends that said, you guys are all stupid, don't do this before practice. So, um, I was like, what happened on, on Saturday? And they're like, Jared, it was horrible. Every single one of my friends, I think there had to have been six of us, and all of them uh, lost their lunch in a variety of ways because they got to practice, and it wasn't a shooting practice. It was pure defense, which means you don't touch the ball. It's pure cardio. Um, and if you can imagine chicken tenders, fries, all those things, and running, not a good mix, right? But two of my friends, um, I'll give you the PG version, are um, losing their lunch in stalls next to each other. And my buddy, <laughs> he screams, he goes, what is happening to me? And then he said, and then he screamed this, he said, he said, what was I thinking? Why would I eat this before basketball practice? And so if you can see, there's some buckets up here. We have our thoughts, words, actions, habits, character, and destiny. And something I want to point out to you is that the, the, your thoughts have a direct impact on your destiny. You see, the thoughts you think become the words you say. The words you say become the action of the day. The action of the day becomes the habit of your life. The habit of your life influences your character, which ultimately will influence your destiny. But your destiny always traces back to the genesis of the thoughts that you think. So I asked, uh, I, was, I, I talked to someone recently, and they were telling me about how the past couple years, they have been waking up, crying to anxiety, feel like they have no purpose in life, just really, really, really struggling. And it's just a sad situation, but if you start to take that moment 
and you start to trace it back one, you go, okay, well, the character got a little fuzzy because of the people he was hanging out with. Well, we back up to the habits. The habits were, he's in sales. He has to make sure to close all the business, the deals. He has to go to uh, all, he has to go out with the boys. He's got to constantly meet with people to close that deal. We go back to his actions. He would work 12 to 15 hours a day. He just grind and grind and grind it because he said, man, I just got to make that money. I got to make that bread, right? But then you come back to his thoughts and you just want to see what he realized was, man, I thought that if I just made a certain amount of money, then all the things that are wrong in my soul will be made right. You see, your, your thoughts have a direct impact on your destiny. Maybe you're like me, and maybe at some point in your life, years ago, I was in a bad relationship. I remember asking myself, how did I get here? Like, why, where, where, how did I get to this point? But if you start tracing back certain things, man, I wonder, one of the actions I took was, why would I commit myself to somebody who doesn't even show the fraction of commitment to me? And then if you start tracing it back, man, maybe, maybe the thoughts I was thinking was, I've really never felt like I was fought for, so this is how it's supposed to be. You see, your thoughts have a direct impact on your destiny. You see, when I was young, um, I was in high school. I remember my parents were driving me to a church such as like this, and I remember in the back raging. This, this story is going to encourage you because now you see I have a mic. So I was in the back seat, and I literally was letting my parents have it. I said, I hate God. I hate church. Take me home. And I remember my dad just kept driving. My mom starts crying. And I remember asking myself, like, how did I get here? Like, what? What is raging inside of me? Why do I hate God so much? And then I started tracing back to the thoughts I think is I always thought God was a miserable CEO. I thought he was just just ready to load up your life, shoot you with the lightning bolt as soon as you whistled. You ever meet Christians who have no fun and you're like, that's what I want, you know, like that's what I would see and just be like, man, that sounds miserable, that life, right? But what I started to learn is that actually that wasn't the God of the universe. I just thought wrongly about him. When's the last time you spent time thinking about what you think about? Because here's the interesting thing is what you think about will, will impact your destiny. But even more important than that is how do you think about God? Because what you think about God matters. You see, God desires all people to be saved. He desires every single one of you to be in a right relationship with him. Every single person in this room, he wants you to become everything you've called to be. He wants you to do everything you've called to do. But the problem is, is you can't get to the fullness of here if you think wrongly about him here. You see, what you think about God matters. And so here's what I want you to know today. If you could take one thing from today, it's this. What you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. It directly impacts your relationship with him. And here's why. Because if you think the foundation of your relationship with God is dependent on your efforts, your works, or your performance, it'll always lead you to striving or quitting. Always. You will either become self-righteous and have a superiority complex, or you'll have an inferiority complex. I can't be with God. I'm too broken for him. I'm too messed up for him. Because it's all 
thoughts, it's all rooted in thinking wrongly about God. You see, A.W. Tozer says this. He says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. So I ask you, do you relate to God? Is everything based on your love for him or his love for you? And so what I wanna do is I wanna talk to you about a guy, his, he was a disciple of Jesus named Peter. And there's four eyewitness accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who talk about Peter and all discuss his life in pretty much the very same way. And here's the best part is I'm gonna give you the lowlights, not the Instagram reel, the lowlights reel of his life. And what you're gonna find out is how Peter thinks about God affects everything down the course of his life until Jesus changes everything. But why I wanna share with Peter, his life especially, is because there's people in this room, majority of us, we get caught up in the very same thing that Peter does. And so if you're trying to follow on your Bible, I'm telling you it's gonna be hard today. This is a listening one. You're gonna watch, take pictures of, of quotes, do what you gotta do. Luke 5 says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out you into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. The generosity of God is on full display. He's blessing them, just being amazing. And here, here's what it says. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came, filled both the boats that they began to sink. And here is where we start to learn how Peter thinks about God. Verse eight says this, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. Now you read that at first glance, not knowing Peter's story, and you think that's probably a pretty good response, right? But what you'll see is what, what Peter's actually probably saying is, listen, God, I can't depart from me. I can't take the generosity, the blessing from you. Let me work on myself. Let, let me get my, my, my P's and Q's on. Let me, let me cross the T's, dot my I's. I gotta earn this. I gotta prove this before we can be in this relationship. You see, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. Is your relationship with God dependent on your love for him or his love for you? We go on in Peter's life, and it says this in, in Matthew 26, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Jesus says to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it's written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I'll go before you to Galilee. Peter answered, I love this, though they all fall away because of you, I'll never fall away. So, so what is Peter doing? No, 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 what is he saying? No, 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 no. What's he thinking? He's going, oh no, I'm gonna be bold. I'm gonna earn this thing. I'm gonna get the, oh, you're gonna see. They, oh, he, he's throwing all the disciples under the bus. He's like, these bums, oh, they'll desert you, but look at me, I've got this. What is Peter, what is he thinking? He's constantly thinking he's gotta prove his love for God because he thinks wrongly about God. Because here's the thing, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. Do you think, is your relationship with God dependent on your love for him, or is it dependent on his love for you? Jesus responds to Peter. He says, Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, this very night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. Peter says to him, even if I must die, I will not deny you. 
You see, Peter keeps thinking his relationship with God is up to him. How many of us in this room, you think that your relationship with God is up to you? You think the foundation of your relationship with God is based on your performance, your works, your efforts, and it always leads you to striving or quitting. You see, Peter's falling into the same trap all of us fall into all the time, and it's this, trusting in yourselves versus trusting in Jesus. It's trusting in ourselves versus trusting in Jesus. Someone once said, the root of all sin is self-sufficiency. What does that mean? It goes, I've got this. Why did you, why did you do this? Oh, because I've got this. I love when people, when people say, man, I, I, I just really don't pray. I'm like, yeah, because you think you've got this. Well, I don't really go to church. Like, it's like, because I've got this. But isn't it interesting when a storm happens in your life, you go from praying this much to you're praying left and right, right? You're just like, oh my gosh, if God is real, please come through. But all that is is trusting in yourself versus trusting in him. And here's what's amazing. Jesus says, listen, you're all gonna, he, just think of how tender he is. You're all gonna fall away. But he goes, but I'm gonna be raised up. Peter goes, no, I won't. The next thing Jesus says, he goes, actually, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. Like, it's actually gonna be worse than that for you. And he goes, no, I'm not. And here's what's so incredible, is Jesus is telling Peter, you're going to blow it, but I'm still gonna love you. There's somebody in here, man, God is telling you, keep fighting him. Oh, I'm not gonna blow it, I'm not gonna do this, I'm gonna be better, I'll promise, I'll show you. And Jesus says, son, daughter, you're gonna blow it, but guess what? My grace is sufficient for you. You see, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. Is your relationship with God dependent on your love for him or his love for you? One of Jesus' disciples, he, he betrays Jesus. He, he, takes, he takes these guys with him. He says, yo, when we roll up to them, listen, the guy I kissed, that's the one you need to arrest. So he comes up and he says, greetings, rabbi, and he kissed him. Look at Jesus' response. This is the most fire verse to me. He says, friend, do what you come to do. Man, you sold, you sold Jesus out to go and get to, to the cross? And what is Jesus' response? How tender is that? Even to the man who betrays him. He says, friend, comrade, brother, hey, do what you've come to do. So they seized him, laid hands on Jesus. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by it. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father, Peter, and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? And here's what's so interesting. It doesn't say it here, but in John's eyewitness account, guess who struck off the guy's ear? Peter. Peter. And what does Jesus say? He says, Peter, put your sword back into its place. And Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Those are, they're following Jesus. You keep trying to do more, try harder. I'm gonna show you. And Jesus goes, put your sword back into his place. This is about believing and receiving. It's about resting, not striving. I really wish that I had known when I was younger that Jesus says these words. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That was not the God I thought existed. Uh, he gives you rest? Like, I thought it was about what I could do and, 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 and that was the fruit of my life because I thought wrongly about God. 
You see, Peter keeps, he keeps thinking and relating to God based on the law, but the law, ladies and gentlemen, is just a mirror. The law tells you, here's, here, don't commit adultery. Jesus says, hey, love your wife as Christ loved the church. It's above that. Grace is beyond that. And he keeps relating to Jesus by the law rather than by grace. You see, what Peter maybe doesn't understand is Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Whether I'm speaking, you're listening, we are all at the same playing field at the foot of the cross. What's amazing in the kingdom of God, no one walks with a swag, but no one walks with a limp. You see, we are all on the same playing field. Isaiah says, even your righteousness is filthy rags to God. Even your greatest thing that you could do for someone, do for God, it still has a tinge, a, just, it's got sin still attached to it, right? I love, I love watching social media, and I know as a church, we will post and say, it's really a celebration. Hey, as a community, this is what we're doing. We're being, you guys have been generous. It's amazing. But I love, like, I have LinkedIn on my phone, and I love when people tell everybody, the whole world, yeah, I was serving. Yeah, I was serving the kids over here. It's just like, are you serving yourself, or are you serving God? Even your righteousness are filthy rags. See, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him is your relationship with God dependent on your love for him or his love for you? So they seize Jesus, right? Peter follows him at a distance. In the courtyard, we got, we got Jesus ahead. Peter's back at a fire, and, and someone says, hey, yo, you're with that guy. You were with that. And he goes, no, I wasn't. He said, no, no, like, no, no, you were with that guy. Like, you're a disciple. He goes, no, I'm not. Someone goes, hey, no, no you are that person, and then, the, the English doesn't do it justice, but here's how it really read. Peter goes, no, I don't blankety, blank, 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 know him. And here's what's amazing. Watch this. He says, Peter says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and he looked at Peter. Now what's amazing is, when I didn't know God, if I read this verse, I would think that God turned around in anger and in wrath and in disbelief. But as I've come to know Jesus, he actually, I believe that he looked at Peter with compassion. In the midst of his worst betrayal, Jesus said, I get it. But the thing is, it's never about your love for Jesus. It's about Jesus' love for you. And so this is what's amazing he looks at Peter. Peter remembers the saying, the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you're gonna deny me three times. And what does Peter do? He said he went out and he wept bitterly. Isn't that the story of so many Christians? Walking, just running from God because they think they can't do enough. They can't try, it's just, they've been trying harder and it's not enough. How many times do I have to watch people go, I just can't go back to God because he think he's gonna judge you. Some of you think you can't go back to God or church because you think he's gonna condemn you, but that's not our God. You see, Jesus, if he was coming after you, if he was coming to get you, he would already had you by now. But no, Jesus isn't coming to get you, he's coming to restore you. Jesus isn't coming to get you, he's coming to love you. Jesus isn't coming to get you, he's coming to give you life and life abundantly. I mean, what's amazing is even when Adam and Eve sinned, they run from the presence of the Lord, drenched in their shame, and it says this, it says that they heard the Lord God walking in the sound of the garden in the cool of the day. 
And Jesus, or God, he walks towards them. And what's so incredible is God wasn't going to judge them. He was coming to find them. And he asked this question. He says, where are you? Translation, how did you get someplace that you're not with me? How'd you get someplace that you're not with me? I feel like God's asking someone, hey, how'd, how'd you get there? Hey, but what's amazing is his grace is still so incredible. Peter runs out, he weeps bitterly, and it looks like it appears that his destiny is destroyed. But here's what's so amazing about God. One of my favorite things is artificial intelligence, and IBM created a thing called Deep Blue. And Deep Blue, they, 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 they built this machine, and the whole point was, can we get Deep Blue to be able to beat the world's best chess player? And eventually, over time, 23 years ago, they were able. But here's what's amazing about Deep Blue. Deep Blue could factor in 200 million moves per second, and it could factor in 40 moves into the future. But here's the crazy way. You might have blown up your life. You might have made the worst decisions. You might have just, just absolutely trashed your life. But let me tell you about the grace of God. That God's grace factors in 200 million moves per second, 40 moves into your future to course correct every dumb thought, words, blowing up your life. His grace is bigger than that. It's bigger than that. He's wait, he's, every time you make a step, he's wait, waiting to course correct you. God moves in front of you. Here's the thing. Romans 8, 28 says what? All things, all of it, even your garbage, even your trash, even your life decisions, man. He says all things, I'll still work it together for your good, for those who love him and called according to his purpose. Here's what's amazing. Jesus is sentenced to death. He dies on the cross and here's what's amazing. He dies for your past, present, and future sins. Look, wait, no, yeah, all of that is gone. He tears the, relation, the, the veil between you and the Father. He finishes the work on, the, on your behalf. And here's the amazing thing. If you are a follower of Jesus, when Jesus says the words, it is finished on the cross, understand that is the banner over your life. That's the banner over your life, meaning for the Christian, your finish line is actually your starting point. What's so amazing is Jesus says, he says, it is finished, meaning son, daughter, there's nothing left you need to do. I've made everything right. This is about my love for you, not your love for me. What's amazing is these women go to this tomb to pay homage to Jesus, but the stone's rolled, angels inside, it says, angels goes, hey, Jared Sander version, listen, he's already gone, he's, he's risen indeed, and it says this, but go, the angel tells, tells, tells them, tell the disciples and Peter. Tell the disciples and Peter, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So God sends his angel as a messenger to say, listen, you gotta get this message out. Tell the disciples it is finished. Tell the disciples he is risen, but especially tell Peter. Peter needs to know, man. Peter ran out wet bitterly because Peter has missed the mark for three years. He keeps thinking it's about his striving. It's about doing more. It's about trying harder. And Jesus is like, no, make sure you tell Peter because here's the thing. God is telling you. He says, go tell the disciples and you and you and you and you that there's grace for you. Peter, he betrayed him looking at Jesus and there was still grace for him. How much more is there grace 
for you. Tolian Vision says this, legalism says God will love us if we change. The gospel says God will change us because he loves us. So here's what's amazing. Two road on this, on this journey to Emmaus after Jesus dies. This guy rolls up on the scene and he starts helping them uh, with their, he's comforting them. They're, they're sad because they're like, I thought Jesus was the Messiah, what's the deal? And this person with them, he helps them reason through all the scriptures how everything is actually pointing to Jesus. How many of you know that the, that the story of Abraham is about Jesus? The story of Joseph is pointing to Jesus. The story of Esther is pointing to Jesus. The whole thing is about Jesus. And they start to realize, oh, yeah, that, that's like kind of makes sense. They have dinner at their house. Jesus lets them understand. He reveals that this is actually Jesus with them, and then he vanishes. And I've never seen this next scripture ever, and I've grown up in church till this moment. It says, they then found the 11, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and look at this, and has appeared to Simon Peter. Oh, I never knew that happened. Here's the crazy thing. is God says, he sends the angels, say, tell the disciples and Peter there's grace. But then here's how good God is. He shows up to him personally. Can you imagine what Peter would say when Jesus revealed himself to him? Can you imagine he's just like, Jesus, man, like, you know, Jesus probably said peace or something. He's probably like, man, I just... I just, man, I, I'm so ashamed, man. Jesus says, give me your shame, Peter. He says, man, but, I, but Jesus, I betrayed you, man, to your face. And you know what Jesus would say? He'd say, it's okay, son. I'll still be here. Some of you think, think you, you bring this crap to God. You say, God, I just can't, man. Man, what if I look at porn again, man? What if I, what if I use again? What if I smoke? I can't, I can't stop, man. It's, it's hard. What if you, I just can't. Like, if Jesus says, son, daughter, I've got you. I love you. Zephaniah 3.17 says, For the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He'll quiet you by his love. I feel like the Lord's speaking to someone today. He is quieting by, quieting you by his love. You keep giving your objections to him, how you're not good enough, how you can't be used. And Jesus says, shh, I love you. He speaks that to your spirit. Here's what's so amazing is if people knew the real us, they'd run. But God knows the real you. He loves and he stays. So Jesus, he appears to the twelve. He says, peace. He doesn't bring up their past failures. He doesn't shame them like we do to each other. Jesus comes up to them and says, peace, shalom. He just says, it's, I've got this. It's about my love for you. And here's what's amazing. Peter then goes, he's had this change of heart with Jesus. He's re Jesus has revealed himself to him. And what does he do? It says he goes fishing in John 21. And it says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again. I don't know who needs to hear this, but again, Jesus is gonna reveal himself to you again. He's going to reveal himself how good he is to your life, to you, again. He is gonna show you how much he loves you again. And here's what's so good. It says, just as day was breaking, Peter was struggling to catch fish. It said, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus says to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered, no. 
He said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it and look at this. Now they were not able to haul it in because the quantity of fish. Here's what's so amazing. Peter is now in the exact, almost same circumstance as he was in the past. He, he, the, the nets are breaking, the, the catch is incredible, but look at this, watch his response. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work. He threw himself into the sea, and he swam to Jesus. What changed in Peter to go, depart from me, I'm not good enough, I've gotta get my stuff under control too. It's the Lord, let's go. What, what made Peter go, I just can't talk to him, I can't pray, I can't go to church, I, to, I, I can't wait, I can't wait to see him again. It's because finally, after three years of his striving, how that, Jesus reveals himself and he resets his mind. He's like, oh wait, this whole thing about is about your love for me, not my love for you. Man, Peter, man, he, he, he was so worried, he's just so always relating to God by the law. But now he starts to relate to him by grace. You see, Peter realized, it's not about what I could ever do for God. It's all about what God, what Jesus did for me. It's about what Jesus did for him. It's what Jesus did for you, how Jesus pursued you, how Jesus loved you. This is the good news. First John 4, 10, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Some of you, your, your relationship is switched. You think it's about your love for him. No, 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 it's all about his love for you. You see, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him, but what's even more important is what God says about you. And here's what I want you to do. I know there, I know we love practicality and we love giving action steps, but I think we can understand that this is really, we gotta start changing our thinking. We gotta start changing our thinking about how we relate to God. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think daily, all the time, if you can, about who God says you are. Because Proverbs says this, as a man or woman thinketh, so is he. So is she. So if you think that God's gonna condemn you, it's just gonna, it's, all this does is just, it just, just cascades down through your life. But here's the crazy thing, is there's a disciple, not Peter, his name was John. And here's what's amazing about John. John always knew that God loved him. So much so, in his gospel, he always never, he, he wouldn't tell himself that it was John sitting with Jesus. He would always say, it's the disciple whom Jesus loved. And you would see, because he knew he was loved, he talked about it. Next, that started to just change how he follows Jesus. And it, and it just transformed his entire life. But here's the crazy thing about John. Here's what I know. He never was like, I gotta do more for Jesus. No, no, no. John already knew he was loved, and that is what changed him. Danielle Strickland says this, true humility is agreeing with God about who you are. Here's what's so amazing, is John never said, Jesus, I won't deny you. That was Peter. John, he was at Jesus's crucifixion at the cross. Peter wasn't. John never worried about his calling. Peter did. And here's what's so crazy is, John didn't, he didn't have to earn love. He already knew he was loved. And that is what changes you. 
my brothers and sisters. You gotta dwell on, think on how you are who God says you are. That's how you change your mind. You are who God says you are. The most important voice over your life is what God says about you, not what you say about you, not what others people say about you, not what your past says about you. It's about what God says about you. John 15, three says this, already you are clean because the word I've spoken to you. So many of us, man, we've taken shame showers where we just try to get that off us, but Jesus says, no, if you put your faith in me, you are clean. We know this in 1 Corinthians 1, it says he made us pure and holy. Can you imagine if you start imagining I am clean and you start using the words, it starts to change your direction. How God really convicts us is he convicts us by going, wait, this isn't who I am. He's not here to jump on you. No, he says, oh, oh, no, no, this is not who I am. That's why I shouldn't be in this mess. Hebrews 13, five says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Jesus says this throughout his scriptures. He says, you are pure, you're clean, you're righteous, you're a new creation, you're blameless, you're his beloved, you're blessed, you're a friend of his, you're fruitful, you're forgiven, you're gifted, you're highly favored, you're inseparable from his love, you're known by him, you're lacking in nothing, you're purified, you're the apple of his eye, his masterpiece, protected, created for a purpose, created for good works, made in his image. I could go on and on and on. These are the things God says about about you and they matter most. You see, what you think about God directly impacts your relationship with him. You see, if you think this is about your efforts, your performance, your works, it'll always lead you to striving or quitting. But if you start to reset your mind and see this is about what Jesus has done for me, it changes everything. So say to you, listen, stop relating to God by the law. Start relating to him by the grace. Stop trusting in ourselves, we gotta trust in him. And what's more important than how we think about God is how God thinks about us. And he says, for those of you who put your faith in Jesus, you are the disciple whom Jesus loves. He said, you are the righteousness of Christ. He says, you are loved. Jesus knows the real you. He loves and he stays. This relationship with, uh, with God is about his love for us, not our love for him. Trust him, trust his love, because it's in trusting him where you finally find the peace and the life you've been looking for. And I'll finish with this. What I've found is that um, life is actually not about a destination. I know we can a lot, we, a lot, we really talk about that, like life's about, I gotta just get here, right? But here's a cool thing about Jesus. He says this in John 10. He says, the enemy, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. The enemy wants to steal your peace, he wants to kill your calling, and he wants to destroy your future. But here's what's crazy, is that life actually, as you remember, this is where the destination bucket was. Life is actually not about a destination. It's about the journey. And for those of you who can't see, what this message spells out is it's actually all about the path with Jesus is what brings you life. The path, the path, not the destination with Jesus will bring you life. And so here's what I ask you. Come to Jesus every day as you are and let him love you to life. This is the beautiful reset.
Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.